Welcome to Dancing on Water, a podcast bringing you stories of faith and how they interact with church and missions. Here we go. Hey everyone, welcome to Dancing on Water. My name is Josh Rice. And this is a new podcast sponsored by Heart for Mexico. Uh, It's uh, really cool for us to launch our podcast and have a medium to better communicate with people about what is happening in and throughout our ministry uh, here. We've seen some incredible things happen on the mission field here in Mexico, and we want to bring you stories of faith and how they interact with church and missions. Uh, It's really cool for our first episode to have Pastor Dwight Hansen uh, on, and uh, we we sat down and talked with him about our ministry, kind of uh, the main things we do, uh, how it was formed, and what we focus on, and we get into some pretty cool stuff uh, about faith. Uh, It it was really encouraging to me, and um, yeah, enjoy this first episode, this interview with Pastor Dwight Hansen. So a couple years ago, you had a message on your heart that really kind of resonated with our church staff and basically throughout our whole ministry. It's kind of this idea of playing off of uh, Peter walking on the water, and you kind of came out and said that you had been dancing on the water uh, for 30-some-odd years, however long it was. Uh, Can you kind of just talk us through where that came from? Yeah, well, uh, you know, we I, I started thinking about our life when we began way back in uh, 1988 we moved to Mexico but even before that uh, it was I always had to take this giant step of faith uh, like uh, you know we, we we couldn't have children for instance and and we we took a step of faith and adopted our children just a lot of miracles along the way came to Mexico with absolutely no money in a broken down old car and and yet, uh, you know, we just walked out, and every time when we thought we'd maybe sink, <laughs> right, then it was just like God came through and, and took us. And so I was basically saying, you know, man, I've been walking on water for 40 years. And then uh, I, I, I just said, you know, and after you've walked on water this way for so long, after a while, it gets easier, yeah. <laughs> because you know you, it'd be an insult to not trust God now, and so I, at that point, I said, uh, "Boy, you know, I've been doing this so long, I could just start dancing on the water," and that's where that came from. It's such a cool idea, especially uh, so much of our our ministry does depend on steps of faith, and so to get to the point where it's not as scary or, or you 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 can almost do it on automatic, to where you know God's gonna pull through. You know God's yeah. going to come through. And so uh, it was. it's really inspiring, I think, to, to all that's happening here in Mexico to know that, you know, we basically have to embrace that idea is what you're saying in other words. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Just get so comfortable with, with steps of faith that it's it's fun and it's right. something yeah. we can do without. So as the, you know, you, you've said 40 years, but as uh, Heart for Mexico has continued to grow throughout the country, uh, we, we, we went through a process where we tried to come up with all the things we were doing, you know, and yeah. starting as a local church, it's grown into several different facets and uh, there's different angles of the ministry. And we were able to kind of narrow it down to what we call our four main heartbeats, basically four pillars. So can you kind of walk us through what those four main heartbeats are of the ministry? Yeah. Well, the first thing uh, we we defined in the beginning was 
the mission of the missionary is to start churches. And when a good church is started, then out of that, you know, comes helping the poor, uh, caring for uh, people, you know, single mothers, et cetera, um, orphans. But it all comes out of getting two or three together in his name. And so our first heartbeat that we always mention is uh, planning churches, starting churches. And uh, I feel like the minute we stop doing that, we stop being missionaries, yeah, okay. right? And then the, the second one is Nana's House Orphanage. Um, we, we just decided that we gotta, we gotta really drill down and care for those that God gives into our care. And so uh, Nana's House is a, a big priority for us all, and we're make, making sure that those kids are really discipled and can grow up and live a fruitful life after what they've all been through, horrible backgrounds and all that. And then the third one is the, um, our, our missions training school, which is uh, something we've done from the very beginning. You can't plant churches if you don't train leaders. And so we began right away uh, after we started the church to do a kind of discipleship training Bible school idea. And uh, that's really blossomed and developed into a great, you know, um, storehouse of workers and people that are excited and young people especially that come through and before they go off to college or something they come through and and really can meet God and really get to grow personally and then decide on a career and then the fourth one is our short-term missions uh, years ago a pastor who was kind of the main supporting pastor I had at the time came down and he was, you know, kind of seeing what I do and everything. And, and I said to him, you know, I, I'm, I do not want to be around a bunch of uh, gringos. You know? <laughs> uh, I want to learn Spanish. I want to uh, get to know the Mexican people. And so I'm not going to be hosting teams. Okay. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, uh, nah, that's not going to happen. You're the team guy. Yeah. <laughs> And so I was a little bit discouraged at first, but I went and prayed and I realized, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. And so we began to put together a plan to receive teams and teams have become a vital part of what we do. Uh, we're able to um, build relationships all over the world. This year we'll have a team of 68 Norwegians. Wow, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we're able to uh, really get certain projects done for the churches and uh so a couple teams are going to be going to aguas calientes where we're just starting the newest church and that'll be a real shot in the arm for the, for that that particular location where we're ministering so uh yeah we we encourage people to bring teams and visit here and uh you know we we just look forward to being able to develop that kind of a hands-on approach to what's going on where people really know and see and experience missions. It's the greatest way to um, reach people. So those are the four. Church planning, Nana's House Orphanage, the uh, Bible School or the Missions Training School, and um, the short-term missions. So you talk about kind of the local church. Uh, I like how you said it, kind of how the local church is the mission of the missionary and how that kind of 
is is the basis for the the rest of the you know ministry that that goes on and so right now as we're recording this podcast we are at 25 or 26 churches throughout the country 25 25 yeah. um and like you said this church in Aguascalientes is is going to be the newest one that the team just went out to planet and so uh, it, it's been from my point of view I've been here 14 years it's been amazing to see kind of how organically the ministry has grown and these churches have been started. And uh, how would you describe that that process? I mean, you know, we, we have a main church here in Topeka, but now seeing churches throughout even different regions of the country, uh, looking back, obviously, steps of faith and all that, but uh, how else would you describe how this ministry has grown from one church to now 25 throughout Mexico? Yeah. Well, it's uh, it really can go back to dancing on the water because... You know, although I'd love to be some great uh, strategic planner with all this wisdom that, that just goes and chooses a, a, an area, studies the demographics, plants a beautiful church, every time it's just been chaos and a mess. <laughs> but, and it's really true. I mean, it's just like all of a sudden, and every every church is unique. You know, we've had, we've had some churches that... Uh, we, you know, we just started going to the neighborhood and ministering to children. Usually that's how it would start. And it would just kind of like pop. And then maybe we'd get a piece of land or something. We always like a church to have something, you know, a team, some money, a, a piece of land, something to really help them get a, get a leg up and get going. So it is very organic the way uh, churches are planted. And, um, you know, he said... I, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you, you can really see over the years. I mean, I'm not just making it up. I mean, you literally can see him building his church through all the people that come and go and all the stuff that happens. And he always provides. He always comes through, at the, sometimes at the last minute. Funny thing about church planning, too, is it seems like almost every church we, we start um, and I don't want to prophesy this over us, but uh, they go through a testing time a lot of times. You know, usually it takes off pretty good, and then there's this time of testing, and that's where we really prove that we 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 uh, know that we're called and understand that. You know, Peter said, "Make sure you you are um, called. Make 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 sure of it." And that's the way we make sure it. When when things get rough and we stay, you know, and when no one wants us there and we keep on trying to plant the church, that's that's when, uh, you know, God really blesses that too. So, so you you talk about you know the the different testing and, uh, you know you you had this kind of revelation about dancing on the water, uh, which is the name of the podcast because it was so impactful to our ministry. But um, I've heard some of your, your stories. I know that there were times where it was really rough and. I, I, how do you differentiate between knowing that it's it's this is requires faith, or maybe thinking like, hey, we got to shut this down, or we need to stop this? How, how, how what would you say to someone who's really struggling through through maybe a church plant or, or something that they're trying to do by faith, and you're just not seeing it happen, or there's moments where, man, what am I doing? And uh, maybe I should hang this up. How how would you differentiate, or, or what would you say, or how would you push through those moments? Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's like looking at the waves and the wind. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so if you cannot go forward, if you're sinking, 
then you need Jesus to pull you out, right? Right, yeah. And yeah. Uh, but, but a lot of times I see guys feel like they're sinking, and I always ask, well, can you make it today? Wow, yeah. You know, can you get through today? Yeah. And if you can get through today, I mean, it's good old Alcoholics Anonymous teaching, right? right. But, you know, yeah. if you can get through today, then let's worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. In other words, keep, just take this one step and then keep going. A lot of times the, the discouragement comes because we expected to be bigger by now. We expected to be discovered. Right. <laughs> we expected there would be more money and more people would come. We didn't expect people to betray us and leave. And, and so it, a lot of it, our, heart, our ex expectations in our heart are what cause us that discouragement. And so if you can, you know, we, we stay expecting in faith, but we don't allow that um, desperation to, uh, you know, have, have a place in our hearts and that, that fear to have a place in our hearts. We, we have to stay confident. You know, when, when Joshua went into the land, it was only one thing, be strong and very courageous, and then repeated it. You know, it's just like once you step out, you got to keep moving to stay above the water. You yeah, know? that's awesome. So. Yeah. And what about then, like, you know, the, the people, I, and I've seen this, and it's, it's been amazing to me over the years through, throughout um, the different churches that we've planted and stuff we've done. And uh, I totally have gone through different moments where I've thought, man, well, how, are we, how is this going to happen? Or how are we going to pull through this one? And, um, you know, the, the leadership you've provided with Steps of Faith has been really convicting to me uh, because a lot of times it almost looks like it might not be the responsible on paper the responsible decision. Right, so yeah. how, how how do you see that playing out? Where some people might look at something and say, "Hey, it's not necessarily responsible to take make this decision or to say, hey, we 'Hey, we're going to build this building. We're just going to believe God for the money.'" And yeah. um, uh, how do you respond to to the to the questions of balancing faith and responsibility? Yeah, I remember when I. Um I went out with another missionary in town years ago and uh, we were just talking about uh, the ministry and I said that I, I was going to buy this building we're in right now. It was $200,000 and I didn't have any of the money. <laughs> and um, he just looked at me and he said, you know, that is so wrong. You should not do that. You're going to defraud the people. You're going you're gonna to ruin the church. And I remember looking at him like, number one, he didn't have the grace to do what I had the grace to do. Yeah, right. But, but number two, I mean, it was just like, I just took it as total unbelief. Yeah. I, I, I find it, it's an insult to God, you know, after all these years and all he's done to not think that he can provide a, a, a little building, you know? Right. Well. And um, the, the, like Nana's house, we just began to build a, a little over a year ago. And I had like, I think I had 33,000 pesos, which is like 1,500 bucks. Yeah, maybe 1,500, so. $1, $1,600, yeah. yeah. And um, worked for a year, invested well over $150,000 into it, really pushing 200,000. And the house is, uh, you know, roughed in completely now. We're getting ready for finished work. And, um, I, I, when, I, when I made this analysis, <laughs> I had uh, about 
$16,000, the same amount I started with. Yeah. You know, wow. we've just recently received some more. So, you know, we, we just keep going. If it runs out, I just stop building, you know. Yeah. But it hasn't run out. The oil keeps flowing, you know. And I think that that's, that's the thing that's just so amazing. I remember one of the first major projects that um, I was here for was when we bought the, here we're, we're recording this in Peak, where our main church is, and we uh, bought a piece of land to build a building for our kids because they were they no longer fit in uh, in the building we were in, and so we bought this land and we had to build the, the kids' building. I remember we had a little bit of money that we had saved up to start, but it got to the point where it was a, a week by week yeah. process. It was yeah. like every week yeah. we just would would believe that we could raise enough money to build that week. And I remember thinking, I mean, I, I had only been here a short while, and I just remember thinking, man, I can't believe we're doing this. Like, yeah. why don't we stop and try to save up money or this or that? But um, and we just kept going and, you know, the, I don't remember how long it took, but yeah, and it, well, and that's one of the benefits of Mexico. You can build and stop and, you know, there are, there are some limits on permits, but it's just very, very slack and easy. So, uh, you know, in the States you wouldn't, wouldn't be able to, you know, I moved into my house when it didn't have any windows or doors. I just <laughs> right. put plywood yeah. over and, you know, in the States they wouldn't give any occupancy permit, but here, it's it's real. Um, that's one of the great things about Mexico. Yeah, you know, right. There's a lot of chaos and stuff, but there's less of that red tape on a lot of areas. And that, yeah, and and then, but just the consistency in. I remember each one of us staff members had to had to work for at least two days a week. You know, yeah. mixing some men, and we just. And now we look back, and you know that building's been there. The children's building has been complete. It's beautiful. Big building has been there now for years, and it's. Uh, it'd be easy to miss the faith that was involved in seeing it happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, yeah. Um, I think also, uh, you know, a huge part that uh, totally plays into all this is is the support from uh, the United States, uh, other countries around the world, where truly as missionaries, uh, you know, you said whatever, 40, 40 years you said you've been doing yeah. this. Uh, as missionaries, uh, it's such a huge, huge part of what we do uh, are people that are giving by faith and have, you know, really sacrificed to help see things done here. So yeah. what would you say about, you know, uh, you're talking about taking steps of faith, but um, how, how do you talk to people in the U.S. about about giving, giving yeah. by faith? You know, it's it's amazing to me as I look back, some of the people that God has used, uh, you know, the it's not always somebody just with, a bunch of disposable income. Uh, my first main supporter was my older sister, single mother. Wow. And, uh, you know, I remember when she gave me a hundred dollar check, just floored, you know, I was just amazed by, um, but what, what God has done is used people that, uh, really become like a channel of that. God, God flows through them to provide the, for the needs down here. So, I think that, uh, you know, we really need people to be inspired by, um, by what God is doing and hear his voice and then give accordingly. Um, and that's what we're praying for constantly. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, fundraising is not something I've ever felt strongly gifted at, but it's amazing how much God comes through, you know, and, and just he intervenes and speaks to people's hearts. So I think that the, the key is that people would be sensitive 
to the voice of the Holy Spirit and and when he speaks and gives them a desire, a thought to give, they respond and give. So as kind of, you know, you, you said you've been here, at, at, like, you know, we mentioned it several times now, but uh, for that many years, you've seen basically the mission field, if you will, kind of shift um, throughout these different years. I mean, now we have, it, it feels really modern to be on the mission field compared to maybe, you know, what it would have been like. In yeah. 1960 or whatever, 1940, right. and now I mean we have Starbucks here in Topeka. We've got Home Depot, Walmart, all that stuff. And how, how would how do you how do you how, how have you seen this shift kind of play out? And and what does it look like to be a missionary in 2020? Also pastoring a church, working yeah. in a ministry in a, in a church setting, but as a missionary. Yeah, I've actually been in Mexico 31 years. Okay, so before that, I was training in. Uh, missions training schools and stuff like that but uh, yeah it's changed radically there there used to be a high value in churches that I know uh, for world missions and we you know we define missions as not just uh, doing ministry in your area but crossing a cultural barrier and going you know uh, to another people and and um, so as a as a missionary, you know, we invested everything to learn language, understand culture, and really be be able to uh, um, gather Mexicans together, right? Yeah. But um, now nowadays, it seems like many churches are focused more on short term teams, okay, or uh, you know local ministries that they help support, you know, unwed mothers and. Uh, homeless feeding type programs, and uh, and the the idea of international missions of reaching another culture, another people, has kind of been lost, and uh, so you know I think that we've had to restructure and re- rethink about the way people see us. A lot of people have said to me, hey, you've got a big church there in Mexico. Why don't you just live off that? Right. Yeah. They don't understand that we take the, the money that comes in here to pay for national pastors to do the work, and we don't use that for paying missionaries. And so there's a number of us who are missionaries, yourself included, yeah. <laughs> that live and, and, and pray for and uh, believe for personal support income and uh, and we're you know we're seeing uh, uh, a lot of uh, shifts and changes in in that to where uh, we're, we're trying to really become uh, more of an organization, a nonprofit in the states and in Canada, so that we can uh, communicate to people the need down here. Because yeah. and I think part of it, and, and this kind of is a, is a personal. Uh, annoyance to me, but I think there's this misconception too, because of how modern the world has become, that the world is reached, or that yeah. especially Mexico, people classify Mexico as a Christian nation uh, a lot of times because of the Catholicism and a high yeah. percentage of, and you know we know living here that we have entire towns around us that still do not have Christian churches, right. and so I think trying to come across or, or trying to get the message across that yeah, they're, they're, you know there's Starbucks here or whatever, yeah. but there's still a great need just, for the just gospel. in this state, which is a smaller state in Mexico, we have two thousand seven hundred towns and villages, and 
I, I guarantee you that you could not get 1%, not even 1% would have life-giving Christian churches in them. Right, we, and we so. actually did all that math yeah. as well. We yeah, actually yeah. figured that out, and uh, it was less than 1%. And yeah. uh, one of the goals that we have, right, is to start a church in every county yeah. in our state, and, and we want to see that throughout the country. And um, I, I think that it, there, there just needs to be an awareness of even in this modern world, there are there's such a need for foreign missions and to bring the yeah. gospel to different yeah. parts. Well, we have to define the mission. Because if it's just that everyone's heard, well, then, yeah, maybe, maybe a lot of places are reached. Um, but if, if you look at a town or a village, it's dynamic. You know, people are dying, people are coming, people are going, people are being born. Yeah. And, and so you can't expect that just by saying one time, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that, that everyone's going to just be okay, it, you've got to live among the people, and the only way to really live with people is when two or more gather together, and it's, it's just starting churches. Yeah, right. And uh, so um, the, the, the fact that there are so many little towns and villages without a single life-giving church, we like to use that term. Right, yeah. Because yeah. there are religious institutions. Okay. But they're dead. They don't. Yeah. They don't live. And uh, but the, the the fact that there is. And so I say we define the mission as planting churches. And if we if we define that clearly, then um, we can um, really really band together to meet the mission and fulfill his plan for the world. You know. Right. And that's yeah. So true. And. Uh... And it's it's exciting to see how the ministry's growing, and it's exciting to see new towns being reached, and uh, we know that there's a lot more to come in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Dwight, for coming on, spending some time with us, and uh, we will definitely have you back on soon. Thank you all so much for listening uh, to this episode. You can expect a new episode every couple of weeks. In the meantime, if you would like more information, check out h4mx.org.